Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to what's likely to be making news in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means we'll be talking about George Osborne's diary. And one date he'd probably prefer to avoid is his appearance before MPs on the Treasury Select Committee to talk about, yes, you guessed, Brexit. We'll also be asking our US business editor about the mood on Wall Street as the earnings season kicks off. And finally... Do you, uh, Yahoo? That's from an early Yahoo ad, but it's probably what Marissa Mayer might be asking her shareholders as she ponders various marriage proposals. That's in the corporate sense. I'm joined by Patrick Hosking, the financial editor of The Times, Callum Jones, our business reporter, and on the line from New York, Alexandra Freen, the US business editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Perhaps, Callum, I could start with you. You just hot-footed it from the Westminster beat. Appearing before the Treasury Select Committee would probably unnerve most of us, but do politicians like George Osborne, do they take it in their stride or for something like this, would they really get nervous? I think he'll probably find it uh, trickier than most. Obviously, they've already heard from him once on Europe back in November. Obviously, it's a key focus for those in in Westminster ahead of June's referendum. But for for him, this will be a particularly interesting experience. He's probably going to get a very hard time from some members of the committee who might normally be on his side. So I'm thinking about people like Steve Baker, and Jacob Rees-Mogg, two of the most senior conservative Eurosceptic MPs, these, these people will not let him off lightly. This is their chance to grill one of the most senior figures in the Remain camp, and they're unlikely to allow it to go to waste. Patrick, you've interviewed Jacob Rees-Mogg for this paper. I mean, he's a former fund manager, a formidable opponent, I'd have thought, for George Osborne. Yes, I think I think he 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 is a he can be absolutely formidable on on occasions. I think they're in a a bit of a difficult position the the, the Brexiteers because the all the, the recent debate seems to have been focused on short term issues uh, and the fact that there's obviously going to be or already is becoming a slowdown in the UK economy because of the uncertainty of the referendum. We had the Bank of England just this week talking about that, and I think uh, the Brexiteers really need to move the debate onto longer term issues because they can't win that very short term argument. I think no one disputes that there would be a bit of paralysis, if you like, in decision making if 
if Britain votes votes to leave. So he needs to move on to more longer-term issues like migration, like uh, the future of the euro, where I think he can um, score some quite strong points in those areas. But I think it would be foolish to uh, to concentrate on that, that, that short-term issue, which, is, which is, seems to have dominated debate recently. One of the most amusing things about uh, this session could well be the way that Osborne finds he'll get an easier ride from people like Rachel Reeves and Wes Streeting. These are Labour MPs, but on his side of the referendum debate, fighting for Britain to remain in. And when a Tory Chancellor walks into a select committee, hoping from a help, hoping for a helping hand from its Labour members, it's probably a safe bet they're not going to walk out with a spring in their step. How do markets view this, Patrick? I mean, it makes good theatre, doesn't it? But I, I assume that a lot of business must be absolutely in despair in terms of making short-term decisions about the future of, of their companies. Well, it hasn't been too bad. After, the, after the, the jitters of January and February, the market's now actually up this year. Sterling, of course, is down, but an awful lot of business le- leaders rather like sterling being down because it uh, makes them more competitive and, and helps export. So... Um, I think there is um, a lot of frustration, but I can't see it going away before June the... uh, Is it 24th or the 23rd? 23rd, 24th. We'll ask our producers for that answer. Alex, if I could bring you in from America here, of course, there's been criticism from some of the politicians, indeed, about uh, President Obama's intervention and what he's had to say about Brexit. What's the feeling over there? Was he right or wrong? I I don't think that uh, many Americans mind about being admonished by British MPs. I think it just bounces off them. I think that pushed very strongly on uh, trade treaties really doesn't want the UK to leave the EU. And I I don't really see what's wrong with Barack Obama saying that. There's also another dimension to his intervention here, is that this allows him to give a bit of a leg up to David Cameron to be on his side and to um, just strengthen that special relationship. Callum, the special relationship, I mean, is that how it's viewed? Do you think in Westminster still very much? I think very much so, yeah. And one thing that was quite clear in the White House, in the White House's response is to the criticism from Eurosceptics about, about the idea of this intervention from, from the president is that they completely batted it away. They're not bothered in the slightest and it very much sounds like they're just going to plough on with it. That's his job to do. In fact, as Times columnists have said, he has a job to do, which is representing his country's interests. And it would be bizarre if he didn't have mm. a view. Uh, Patrick, do business care at all about what President Obama thinks? Uh, I don't think hugely. I think they understand that's the, the reality of, of politics. Uh, and I was just coming back to that short term, you see, we had the IMF again also weighing in on this issue. I think people have got to accept that uh, there is going to be some uncertainty ahead of this referendum and, and, and they've got to move on to some of the more important aspects of the debate. Well, I can tell you the referendum uh, is on the 23rd of June, so don't go on the 24th because the polls will have closed. We'll take a short break now, but then we'll be talking about what to expect some of the world's largest companies line up to report their latest earnings and we'll look at what the future holds for Marissa Mayer. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year, time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. 
Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. And as we promised, we'll look at the US earnings seasons, which has already kicked off with Alcoa. There's some disappointment there. Huge plunge in profits. Uh, JP Morgan Chase also under pressure. Alex Freen in New York. Has Wall Street gained looking ahead to, to this forthcoming earnings seasons with a bit of trepidation, I suppose? Well, it's a very gloomy outlook. The uh, estimated decline in first quarter earnings is expected to be 9.1%. And if that is what the figure turns out to be at the end of the quarter, that's going to mark the first time that there's been such a big drop since the third quarter of 2009. It'll also be the first time that there's been four consecutive quarters of year-on-year declines since uh, the third quarter of 2009. And what's more is that analysts don't really expect things to turn around until the third quarter of uh, 2016. So it's not, um, it's not a great outlook. It's not every sector that's going to do badly. You know, telecoms, consumer services, healthcare, those are all expected to see much better growth. Um, and of course, the biggest declines will be in energy and materials still because of de- declining or, or softer commodity prices. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a, it is difficult times for the for the US. It's such an important economy for the for the rest of us. It's hard to see the the, the global economy recovering unless the US does. And yet we keep getting rather rather disappointing numbers out from the states. Just the other day, uh, retail sales were going backwards. People are buying America. The great American consumer seems to be to be faltering a bit. Uh, and that is a, a big, big worry. And a lot of this, Patrick, I mean, you, you've written just very recently, too, haven't you, about the, the credit over here. Uh, American consumers, first of all, Patrick, uh, seem to be still borrowing a lot to perhaps fund their spending habits. And, and, is, and then, Alex, is, the, is it the same with you, Patrick? Well, certainly in the UK, uh, in the UK, they are. We're seeing huge amounts of um, of extra borrowing on the, particularly in the forecourts of car distributors. But also, uh, people are borrowing, making personal, uh, taking personal loans from the likes of Tesco and Sainsbury's and Marks and Spencer. They're growing that level. That that end of the consumer credit market is growing very, very fast at the moment. And nice. and is be- sorry, and is beginning to worry regulators. Alex. Well, there's also been a big increase in consumer borrowing to buy cars, but that can be seen as a good thing because uh, people need cars to get to their jobs, and as more people are getting jobs, they're able to buy cars and they need them more. So that's not necessarily a bad sign if there's an increase in consumer credit in that area. What's interesting in the States is that people should be spending their money. We've still got jobs growth. There's still some fairly positive economic numbers coming out, even though they're not as strong as the economists would like to see. But um, consumers are rattled by what's going on in financial markets. And in fact, the savings rates are going up. And that's what's really worrying people here. They don't want the consumers to save their money for a rainy day. They want them to reach into their pockets and spend it. Patrick, a, a nervous few months really ahead of us if we take into Brexit, the kind of what you and Alex have just been saying, that uh, particularly Alex there, that earnings uh, in America aren't expected to pick up until perhaps the third, fourth quarter of this year. So really looking ahead, and that awful expression, what is it, sell in May and go away and don't come back to St. Ledger Day. I mean, it might be true this summer is going to be a difficult time for people who are investing. I think it is. There are, I mean, there are a few encouraging signs as well. We shouldn't get too gloomy. China finally seems to uh, may, may be bottoming out. We had some very strong uh, export figures from 
from China, which has been the great black cloud hanging over financial markets over the last 18 months. If you, was, if you saw a bit more uh, encouraging news from China, that, that would really uh, perk things up. And as I, I was saying, it, it's hard to believe, given all this gloom, but, but shares are actually higher than at the start of the year. Are you, Callum, here just for a moment, looking at the business sector, are you a bull or a bear, would you say, overall? I mean, having focused on having focused on on the European referendum for much of this year so far, I'm picking I'm picking up on a lot of a lot of nervousness about a lot of anticipation about about the June twenty third polling day. I think uh, it will be very interesting to see how, as the debate continues and uh, all sorts of things are, are flung from either side, it will be very interesting to see ha- how the markets react to that. Okay, well, there's lots to talk about there. And finally, it's decision time for Yahoo's Marissa Mayer and the future direction of the company itself, in fact. This is how she summed up her thoughts at a TechCrunch conference on what it's like to be in command. It's shocking. The thing that's shocking about the CEO role is how few decisions you actually have to make, but you have to make them exactly correctly and exactly perfectly. Alex Freen in New York. I mean, Yahoo is going to be sifting through uh, marriage proposals. As she said, this is a decision you have to get absolutely perfectly right. What's she going to do, do you think? Well, the odd thing here is that it's not really going to be Marissa Mayer's decision. She has been under a lot of pressure from her shareholders and from her own board um, who don't have very much confidence in her. And in February, the board of her own company effectively sidelined her by appointing an independent board. They brought in Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase and PJT Partners to advise on the options. So um, although Marissa Mayer is still chief executive, there'll be a lot of input from this board and from other advisors on what she should do. And um, it looks increasingly likely that Yahoo may very seriously consider a, a bid to sell, a bid from Verizon Communications, a big um, telecoms and um, broadband company in the, in the US to, to buy its core internet properties. So that's its, its content and its search and display. Verizon has very successfully integrated um, AOL, which it bought last June. Um, it's kept on AOL's chief executive, a guy called Tim Armstrong, who is, is regarded as having um, made the transition very nicely. And so that is really why analysts expect Verizon to have the, the most favoured bid. Although, um, you know, as we learnt uh, recently, our, our own British um, Daily Mail in general trust, the owner of the Daily Mail, is also interested in picking up some of these assets. I think it won't succeed, but uh, the fact that it's interested just shows that despite all the bad feeling around Yahoo, parts of its assets are still regarded as being of value. I think it's very interesting. Obviously, the the DMGT bid uh, surprised some people, but when you think about why, as, as Alex was saying, Yahoo has been deemed to be facing a few problems over the past few years, but when you think about a company like DMGT and why they might consider a bid, actually, when you look at some of the things which Yahoo has, uh, things like Tumblr, it's uh, it might actually help them uh, build on their audience and maybe reach, reach out to, to areas which it's not quite getting across to at the moment. Patrick? Yeah, uh, DMGT is a very, very conservative company, still controlled by its family. I'd be quite surprised if they took that move because it would be potentially a very big, bold bet on America. I mean, it could be a dream combination in many ways. If they can, if they can combine the very successful uh, online news service they've got and monetize it using some of the skills of Yahoo, it could, uh, 
could just pay off. I should uh, disclose an interest here. I'm a DMGT pensioner, so I'm very concerned that they're still around in 20 years to uh, to pay my pension. Alex, is his pension safe? First of all, please assure him. Well, Patrick, it's very safe because the Daily Mail and General Trust is not going to buy Yahoo's assets with its own money. If it succeeds, it's it's its idea is to partner with a private equity firm that would put up the money and it would hive off the Yahoo assets into a separate company (laughs) which would be run by Daily Mail. And, you know, what what the Daily Mail people think they can do is bring their traffic acquisition skills to Yahoo. They think that they are much better at designing the landing page of their site. They think they could improve on Yahoo's. Um, Yahoo's homepages for its, its sports and finance and news pages are mainly decided by an algorithm. There's very little human input into that. And what the Daily Mail would like to come in and do is increase the sort of subjective judgment of human beings in, in what will attract uh, readers in. So they, they think that they could do it better. That said, I still don't think that they're going to win this this bidding war. All right, well, thank you all very much indeed. That's just about it for now. But remember, you can uh, keep up to date with all the news and, of course, that all-important Yahoo decision uh, as it comes. That's uh, with, along with the business news and comment. That's on our website. And if you're a Times subscriber, don't forget to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And uh, if you don't have a subscription, take advantage of that special £1 offer. You'll find that by going to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Callum Jones, Patrick Hosking, and of course, in New York, Alexandra Free. They're all on Twitter, so do follow them, please. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.